Welcome to the IT Experience Podcast. This is a podcast for those who are interested in IT experience management in large enterprises. If you use ServiceNow or other enterprise service management system to provide services to employees, then this is for you. Brought to you by Happy Signals. More smiles, less time wasted. Hey, welcome to the IT Experience Podcast. I'm here now in Orlando in the service management world by HDI. And uh, sitting next to me is uh, Doc Rebold, the Chief Experience Officer and Founder Principal Consultant of Bold Ray Consulting. And you're f- coming from San Antonio, Texas? That's correct, Pasi. Yeah, great to have you here and uh, great to have a podcast actually face-to-face. You, you kind of get used to doing this Zoom podcast and it's not quite the same. Yeah, we're happy to have you here in the States. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, we're kind of now come, talking about a little bit of an article that you wrote well, back in March already actually, that why XLAs matter more than ever. So let's start with XLAs and SLAs. So do you still see a role with SLAs and what is SLA's role? Yeah, it's a great question and it's one that I think a lot of people struggle with and, and I've heard it a lot of times from people in our industry is, okay, these XLAs are new and so that means I need to throw away my SLAs. And, and the reality is no, you don't. Um, the SLAs are sort of foundational elements that, you know, they're, they're sort of the cost of doing business is, is kind of what I think of it as. They're, they're the foundation. Those are the things that can get us to where we need to be just for the cost of entry. That's, you know, those are the expectations. We do need to revisit them as part of the XLA development process because some of the things that are standard historical SLAs may no longer be relevant because of things like automation. You know, one, one, of the, one of the classic examples was always FCR. We wanted yeah. first contact resolution all the time, as much as possible. With automation, some of the easiest things to resolve have been taken away. So what used to be an, an, acceptable, or an unacceptable FCR before through automation today may be very acceptable because what's left for the agents is the harder things to resolve, the more complex issues. Um, and, and so those SLAs still have to be there they may need to be revisited, but those are the things that ultimately are the foundational levels upon which those XLAs are then developed. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I, that's a good point. The, the whole thing that, that you need to automate the easy stuff, and that actually makes the services work in a way tougher, but maybe you have less volume, but you have this actually the, the difficult cases. And you know, we have our IT, global IT benchmark, and some of the founding was that 30% of your tickets are actually responsible for 80% of the, of the productivity loss from the end users. So you need to put all your guys on that 30% and automate the rest out of it. So it was easy, funny that you said it that way. I never thought about it from an SLA point of view. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah a- absolutely. And, and you know, as, as, we, as we look at building these XLAs, how do we, how do we get to where people want to be? To, to provide the sentiment that they, that they want to go away with and feel good about their interaction with, with IT and, and with the service desk, it's, it's, found, it's fundamental that we have to revisit those SLAs, make yeah. sure that, that the things that are no longer relevant or, or just need to be revised yeah. um, are there. And then what we do is we work those SLAs that still remain in combination with one another, and, and those are the things that lead up to uh, any given XLA. So yeah. you, you may take a couple of different related SLAs and those lead up to an XLA that, that really 
helps determine what that experience should be and measures that. Yeah, yeah. I think many of our listeners already know that the watermelon effect that you describe in the article as well. So if we go into XLAs, because I think that is what people quite well know, and that's what I learned in these few days here in, here in Orlando, that people talk a lot about now XLAs. It wasn't that some years ago, so it's awesome to hear that. But uh, you, you have few things about what you say XLAs are, so maybe you can like shortly explain a little bit more. So you say that XLAs supplement or complement, but do not replace SLAs. So anything you want to open from that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of goes into what you already started. But. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Posse, so I, I think what I would say there as far as supplement and complement, um, SLAs traditionally measured thing, they, they, they measured quantities, speed, things like that. They, they, it, it was all about transactional. Yes. And, and the difference with XLAs is tra XLAs get away from that transactional and they get to that sentiment piece. So, so it's not just about, about how fast, how often, how quickly, how many times. What it is is it's actually a measure getting away from those quantitative aspects and getting into the sentiment. How do I feel about the, you know, the service that you provided? And, and that's the huge difference. That's, that's the paradigm shift, if you will between SLA and XLA. You still need to know how fast, how often, how, and how many, yeah. but you also need to know what's the outcome of that from perspective of how did the, how, how did the end user feel about that experience itself. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> one other thing that I know a lot of our customers are when they think about getting to the XLA, XLA uh, journey is that, that you say that beyond their existence and what will be measured, XLA should not be contractual. So what do you mean with that? Yeah, and, and, and so that's a great question, Posse. And, yeah. and one of the things that I found is, um, I, I, at one point I worked for a managed services provider, yeah. or BPO, and a, as I went through contracts, I found that there were many contracts that we had that said, we'll have XLAs. Yeah. Some of them spelled out what those XLAs were. The interesting thing about that, however, is that it's okay to contractually say that you'll have XLAs, but to contractually say what those XLAs should be is the challenge. And the reason being is XLAs are not, are not a substitute for SLAs. SLAs usually are contractual. They're, you know, they, they're usually not revisited for the life of a contract. Maybe they are from time to time through an amendment, but you, you know, SLAs are usually established at the front end. They're, they're negotiated and, and they remain fairly static through the life of the contract. Yeah. When it comes to XLAs, they're very dynamic, um, and they should be, because sentiment changes very rapidly, especially in today's world where people have, you know, pardon the term, but they, they have the attention span of a goldfish. Yes. A and sort of the, the prime example I think of is you know what what may have been perfectly ac acceptable sentiment wise you know I may have feel, felt perfectly acceptable at, about the way you performed from a service desk perspective or, or from any IT perspective in December of 2019 very rapidly evolved between what was acceptable to me in April of 2020 exactly and it's because the world became a very dynamic place so I needed someone to move with me and, and to evolve with me because my expectations changed. And, and now we find the same thing sort of happening to a certain degree in reverse. Yeah. As organizations are starting to people bring their, their workforce back into the office, 
some of those things need to evolve again. And so XLAs should track what that, you know, what, what the expectations, what the dynamic environment looks like. Yeah, and I think another thing that changed is like what you, what you started the, the talk with is that <clears throat> when you get rid of, you automate things, you might get lower scores in a way from the sentiment point of view <clears throat> because then you are kind of taking away those easy things. So it depends how you measure it, but that could have an impact to it. And if you make it contractual, then what's the incentive, for example, for your service provider to automate something? Because they get these easy scores. So there's all these things that I, I agree with you that they shouldn't be handled like SLAs. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and one of the things that, that I should also point out, um, automation doesn't always make things better either. It, it can reduce, um, but it doesn't always make things better. And, and you know, one of the things that I, that I think about is... SLAs tend to work, in some cases, contrary to one another. Um, and by that, what I mean is, you know, when, when, you, when you do that automation, FCR may go down, mm. CSAT may go up or down, yes. it doesn't necessarily work one way or the other, yeah. and if some of that automation is through a chatbot, you'll often find that CSAT will go down, particularly if it's evident that they're talking to a chatbot. Um, because end users typically, at least in the United States, I don't know what it's like in Europe, mm -hmm. but in the United States, they do not like talking to a machine. Yeah. Um, and, and even you know, front-end you know, cognitive agents on, on an IVR, same thing. A lot of times, you know, an end user will do everything in their power to, to get out of that loop and, and speak to a human. Yeah, we do see that. I mean, it's, it's always the, if you think about channels, it's always in the benchmark scores we can see that. The, the highest uh, satisfaction comes from the human contact. If the telephone, a chat, if it's with a human or the on-site support. But then it's always, always lower when it's email or, or chatbot or, or portal or something like that. Right. But you don't feel that, people may, maybe feel that when they are talking to a human being that it's going to get solved. But when they are just putting out something in a, in a black box, I, I don't know what's going to happen to my case now. So. Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of from that article since, uh, since it was already March, if it look a little bit forward to 2023, and maybe something that you, you listen to some speak, speaks here, what do you see that any change in the role of XLA that you see going forward or any, any topics that, that it can also help to, to solve in a way? Yeah, there, there's... Anything on top of mind? Absolutely. There's two things that, that come to mind, Posse. And, and one, I think it's a very rapidly evolving. It's, it's, and, and interestingly, XLA being a dynamic measure, if you will, um, it's a very dynamic uh, area of, of what we do now. Yeah. Um, I've seen, you know, I, I just look at my, my first live, con well, it was my second live conference post-pandemic mm -hmm. was, uh, was about this time last year. And XLA was, I mean, a few people were talking about it, but there wasn't a whole lot of momentum. It was, it, it, it was like the shiny new thing that everybody yeah, was talking yeah. about, but, but nobody really got it. Nobody understood it. And I, I've, you know, I embraced some folks like Alan Nance, and yeah. Alan and I spent a good bit of time together um, at that conference and since. And, you know, I, I started drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's amazing when, when I got here this year, there were so many people that really understood at least conceptually what an XLA was. And now 
now the dialogue isn't what is it, it's how do I do it, which is a big difference. It's a sea change. And, you know, I think that's probably one of the challenges right now is, is people are starting to understand what XLAs are, but they're not sure how to implement. And, and so that's one of the evolutionary aspects that, that I've seen. Yeah, we see the same, totally same thing in Europe as well with the customers who, who are now like, yes, I bought into the idea, how do I do it? So coming into the, into the SITS event in, in May, again, seeing a lot of people face to face, it used to be that people come to the stand and like, okay, what is this topic? Now it's like, okay, how do I do this? So yeah, that's interesting to also hear it from, from this side. And also from a vendor point of view, I'm, I'm also looking forward to it developing into a way that it can really be supported by technology as well. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that that I've loved about my XLA journey, if you will, yeah. um, I actually had the opportunity to work with a client in April of this year and went and did a two and a half day workshop with them. Yeah. And, and we just talked about everything. And, and the amazing thing is, is I've talked with them, with them about things that seemingly were completely unrelated to Service Desk. We were talking about when do your, you know, when do certificates expire? Yeah. And, you know, what, what do your server stacks look like? And what's the architecture? And, and, you know, none of this directly is service desk related. But ultimately, if you think about it, the outputs of all of those things become inputs to the service desk. And sure. so the more we can do to, to embrace the entire enterprise and look at things holistically, then we can identify what's important to them yes. and what those inputs and injects into the service desk are and construct XLAs to build that experience that you want. Because yeah. when, you know, if you think about it, when a certificate expires, that can lead to thousands of incident calls to, cool. into the service desk. Cool. And so by finding out how many of those there are and, and who's responsible, is it centralized certificate management or is it decentralized and it's completely ad hoc based on application owner, things like that. Yeah. Once you start thinking outside the box and looking at things holistically, that's how you can really start to effectively build experience level agreements. Yeah, I agree. Hey, I think that's a good way to stop this, this conversation. And uh, I would recommend everybody to go and follow you on LinkedIn because you have awesome posts and also there are awesome articles coming in. Uh, anything else? If, if people want to maybe, you know, hear you speak or, or see, you, see you live, what's the next event or what's next in, in your calendar? Do you remember out of, out of your head? <laughs> Thanks, Posse. Um, so just about any HDI event, I, I speak yeah. at most of them yeah. um, because I, I, I guess in part because I'm a, a national officer for the organization. Yeah. But, um, I will be on December the 8th of this year. I'll be speaking at a, a virtual event for SDI out of the UK. Okay. Um, and so that's going to be on European All time. Right, so cool. it'll be early yeah. a.m. for me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll actually then try to find the link for that because uh, I think there's uh, quite a few. I Actually, in the podcast, there's a lot of American listeners, but then a lot of, of course, European listeners. So. Yeah. They, that would be a good chance for actually them to hear you. Absolutely. So, yes, and cool. uh, I'm actually hoping to make it to the UK for their, their May conference. Awesome. Um, yeah. I've spoken with them about potentially speaking yeah. at their May conference. So. Hey, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And uh, as we usually end this podcast saying that stay safe and stay happy. Thank you, Pasi. Thank you too. If you like this episode, giving the podcast a review helps others find this content as well. You can also visit our YouTube channel or our learning center at happysignals.com for some more video content.
Join hundreds of like-minded IT professionals who have passed the free ITXM certification course on itxm.academy.